The Start On Demand. On demand. Tragedy on the Red River as a nine-year-old boy has died after drowning. And there were many other water rescue calls to the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service recently. We'll speak to the Life-Saving Society to find out what we need to know about water safety. Fewer people on the road due to COVID-19, but dangerous driving is way up. RCMP with some surprising numbers. Prolonged heat waves. Is this the new norm? And the weird and goofy places we sometimes find stuff that we thought we lost. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling, who's on vacation, and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Monday, July 6th podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. And Loren, I think we probably, it doesn't matter where you work. I think we all have that thing where when you walk in and immediately something is amiss and you know there's a problem. Well, today I walk into the newsroom and I think, why is it so quiet? Mm-hmm. There's no direct. So immediately I run into the control room and I see that we're not on the air. There's nothing going out on the air. And I look at our computer that has all the software that has all the commercials and the newscasts, all the automated stuff from overnight, completely blank. So, so I look down at the board and figure, okay, what do I do here? Well, I guess I can check to see that Drex is actually broadcasting. He was, so I turn it on. Uh, thankfully, we had this backup system where I could play commercials from yesterday, but I had to, to hide out in our control room for 45 minutes. So God, you're nice and early. And then I had to call upon my once upon a time days as being an operator, technical producer and uh, push the buttons and make sure we were still broadcasting and had to wake up our poor engineer, John at 4:30 AM and he fixed it, but uh, it looks like there may still be some complications. So now Forte is on the phone with oh Engineer John. Uh, but three cheers for our engineers uh, who bail us out all the time. But uh, yeah, that panic. That great way to start a Monday with panic. <laughs> Better you than me. I think I would have just had to go on air and say, sing all the jingles and just fake voices. I would have been high tech energy windows and just doing all the jingles for the... <laughs> For like 35 minutes until somebody helped me figure it out because I know maybe what two of the 47 buttons do in there. But yes, bless John. He's always so good to answer the phone and also answer it like he's been awake the whole time, like expecting your call. Well, in this case, it was more of a, where you kind of hear that <laughs> that rustling of the phone followed by a, hello? Yeah, so <laughs> I couldn't tell which engineer I had. I was like, is this John, Mike, or Sarah? Um, so eventually I figured out that it was John. Uh, but yeah, so that's how that's how we started our Monday here. So hopefully your morning got off to a better start, Miss McNabb. Yeah, I, I, had a, well, I had a great weekend. I mean, we had a really decent weekend weather-wise, and so that was nice. Still so very hot out there. Uh, but I think this might be the first day we've come in in two weeks, Brett, where we're not warning people of excessive heat. Am I wrong? It's been a, it's been a couple weeks now, and there's no heat warning in effect. Is there for Southern Manitoba today? Nothing. There's nothing in Manitoba at all. And yeah, you're right. It's just been this sort of nonstop heat wave, which has been nice. But again, like if you don't have air conditioning, I've got a buddy of mine who has had to hide out in his basement. He actually joined me on Friday for golf in the extreme heat because he said, well, extreme heat outside is better than extreme heat inside when you don't have 
air conditioning. So yeah, it's been it's been hot. It's still going to be a pretty hot week, but not quite that extreme heat. So yeah, we're going to talk about that this morning uh, with Danny Blair. He's a climatologist at the University of Winnipeg at 707. Is this the new normal? Because this has been probably the hottest summer that I can remember in many years. Yeah, and I think one thing that's really standing out is that we often get periods of heat, right, where it might be three days or four days, but we don't get that prolonged week, 10 days, two weeks heat wave and and we get them maybe they might come and go and so and so what i found was interesting over the past two weeks is that nobody wants to complain about the heat when we get to summer right we're manitobans and we think no we just went through winter we're not doing this we're not being that person but boy you get to day six day seven day 11 and then you're like okay enough already and even last night i was staying outside before bed looking at the sky and the combination of heat and thunderstorm warnings uh, yesterday in parts of southern Manitoba, you know, you're just sort of kind of on edge wondering about uh, when the next storm might hit and or possible tornado warning. And so I find myself staring at the clouds a lot more than normal, pretending I know what I'm doing. Like, I, like you should have heard me last night. Is that cloud rotating? My husband, no. What about that one over there? That one looks weird. Just a cloud. How about that one there? Why is it gray? He's like, it's raining. Like, just like, you know, you find yourself analyzing everything because every day is come with something bizarre and uh so we're going to talk about heat at 707 and then we also want to talk about uh all the rain that's fallen in southwestern manitoba over the past uh, few days I've, I've heard from a number of people in the minidosa rivers and rapid city area just about the damage that their homes have sustained basements damaged floorboards damaged rooms damaged entire homes potentially a write-off and what isn't covered the, the surprise they're hearing from their insurance provider when they walk in the door and say, sorry, you know, you only have sewer backup coverage or, or, or you don't have overland flooding coverage. And, and so there's these shocks, these hits to the pocketbook that are coming for so many Manitobans who are waiting for some sort of help and they might not get it, Brett. And so we're also going to have that conversation today because with heat, we know an excessive heat comes these kinds of storm events. And so it's possible that that might also be our, our new norm, not just the heat, but the severe weather that comes with it, and then, of course, the devastating impacts. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. We've been sitting on this topic for a few days, but a couple of things happened over the weekend that spurred us into action to finally do it, because I'm looking on Twitter last week, and I see one of our listeners, Spencer, posted some amusing pictures. My seven-year-old daughter lost her phone again. Well, I found it by accident after giving up helping her. I found it in the fridge. It was on the door, uh, mixed in, uh, looks like between some lemon juice and what could very well be Worcestershire sauce. Uh, (laughs) So I had a good laugh at that. And then my buddy Brandon, I'm going golfing with him. I went golfing with him last week, and he says uh, he had told me previously he couldn't find his wallet. Well, he says he found it. Uh, in the freezer in his garage. He had gone out to grab some steaks, and I guess it fell out of his pocket into the freezer. Uh, So it had been sitting in his freezer for like 24 hours. And then for me, on Friday, I got to the golf course, and I went to grab my, uh, my club and look at my GPS watch, which tells me the yardage of, you know, how far I am out from the hole, and I realized I'm not wearing it. I thought I had forgotten it. Well, I got home tore my apartment apart trying to find this stupid watch and it turns out it had fallen into 
my golf bag. It was at the bottom of the bag, sort of hovering between all of my clubs because I hang it off the back of my bag so I don't forget it. Well, I, apparently I forgot it, and I picked up my golf bag, and as I put it on my shoulder, it fell into the golf bag. So where have you lost stuff? What are the funny places you've lost stuff? We've got Jeff Braun here, Kelly Moore, Jeff Forte. Jeff Forte, shall we start with you, sir? Oh, let's start with me. Okay, what do you got? <laughs> Oh, when I I lost my first cell phone, I remember my very first cell phone. I lost it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it anywhere. And I found it in my pants pocket <laughs> after, after 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 it went through the wash. Oh no! Yeah, oh. It did not survive. Oh god! Oh, that is the worst. That is, the, you know what? Somebody, one of my friends posted on Twitter saying, "Is there anything worse than when you uh, leave a piece of Kleenex in your pocket and put it in the wash?" Oh yeah. I would say, put it leaving your cell phone in the pocket is worse than that. That sucks. What kind of phone was it? It was a Nokia. It's one of those little tiny Nokia's back in the day. He used to play Snake on it. Oh yeah, that was a fun game. What about you, Jeff Braun? I remember as a teenager, I was. Trying to fall asleep one night, and this horrible smell kept me awake. And I was like, what in God's name is that stink? <laughs> and I finally fell asleep, and I woke up the next day, and it smelled bad, but I went about my day, and the next night it smelled the same. I was like, what is that? And after about three days of that, I finally decided to really investigate. And for some reason, underneath my bed, there was a half-eaten bowl of Lucky Charms and the milk, oh. had, the milk had turned rock hard and it was just disgusting and I, I just threw out the whole bowl and everything and never told my mom because <laughs> there was no way that thing was going to come properly clean ever again <laughs> Kelly Moore oh man how do you top that <laughs> seriously oh. we'll give her a uh, shot I, I lose things all the time. You know, the one thing that uh, that uh, I always, and, and we wind up with a collection of these, you know, you'll find a, a little screw or a bolt or, you know, a, a small little thing like that. And you'll say, okay, if I throw this out in two weeks or so, we're going to say, oh, man, I wish I'd have kept that because I this is what it, uh, it, it belonged to. Uh, but uh, I know there was one morning in particular I was in a real panic because, We've got this little key table at our front door, and I guess uh, in my haste to uh, uh, get out and, and, and shovel the driveway, I had inadvertently knocked my car keys into my little black carry bag, and of course, I never even thought to look in there, so now I'm getting ready to go, and I can't find my keys anywhere. I'm, and of course, it's wintertime, so you're going through every single pocket of every jacket in the closet. Looking through boots, the whole, and then finally I thought, well, you know, I wonder if I put them in my bag. So I searched all the regular compartments that I would put them in, didn't find them. And as I picked up the bag, you could hear the keys jingling and, and finally found them. But uh, there's, to me, that's Oof. the worst panic at all when you cannot yeah. find your car keys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because if you, especially if you're in a rush oh, or you're yeah. going to be late for work, man, that is the worst. Loren McNabb, how about you? Well, I think we know I've lost a lot of things. I'm, I can relate to a text that just came in from a listener who says, I spent two hours tearing my house apart looking for my sunglasses, found them looking in a mirror on my baseball hat. I have absolutely done that with sunglasses before, but they're, e- they're either on my head or in my hand. And I'll be walking around looking like looking for them and not realizing them, clutching them in my left hand. I've I have put the remote in the freezer, and I think it's because you're just multitasking. You know, you go to grab something, pull it out, you shut the door, remote's in the freezer, and I'm super guilty of 
uh, always telling my husband we can't find something like a check that someone's written or gift cards. And he'll say, I know you put it away for safekeeping. Where is your safekeeping spot this time? Yes. Because I don't have the same spot. And so it could be like a number of spots that I've put something away for, quote, safekeeping. And then I cannot remember which of the 19 different spots in the house this thing might be hidden. So, yes. All sorts of things have gone missing under my watch. Text message at 204-780-6868. My son left my car remote in his pocket. That went through the wash. Simon says, I lost my gold necklace for 10 years. And then one day, my washing machine tumbler needed to be replaced. And lo and behold, it was wrapped around the spindle. Oh, my God. Simon, is it was it the, the necklace still in decent shape? Like, Can you wear it again? Let us know, 204-780-6868, and keep those texts coming on the things that you have lost and the goofy places <laughs> you have found them. And uh, the best is when you're, like, on the sunglasses thing, uh, I, sometimes I'll be looking for my glasses. Where are my glasses? And then I realize I'm, I'm actually wearing them on my face. I was like, oh, I already, I already took my contacts out. I'm wearing my glasses. <laughs> It's like this person who just wrote in to say, how many times have you guys looked for your missing phone while using the flashlight on your phone? (laughs) (laughs) That is gold. We got to talk about the heat. Yeah. I think this is the first time we were saying, Brett, in about two weeks that we haven't to, you know, ha- had to do weather casts that uh, talk about the fact that Southern Manitoba is under a heat warning. It's going to get to a high of 28 degrees today, but that's cool compared to, you know, the 38, 39, 40 degree temperatures, or at least with the humidex that we've been feeling over the past couple of weeks. And so we wanted to talk about the idea of whether prolonged heat waves like this might become our new norm. Danny Blair is a climatologist with the University of Winnipeg's Prairie Climate Centre, and he joins us now. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, Brett. Good, mor- good morning, Lorraine. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. And so early, you're always so generous with your early morning hours, Danny. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's been quite excessively hot at this hour over the past few weeks. I think we've had some days where it's already been 25 before it's 7 o'clock. And we mm-hmm. wanted, to, wanted to know, is there something different about what's going on here? We've had heat waves before. But these prolonged periods of heat seem to be new and maybe a, a trend we might have to prepare for. Well, certainly that was a really remarkable spell of hot weather and humid weather. And, and as you noted, those warm nights, like, wow, those were, those were really unusual for me to have those, those temperatures at night. You know, I'd get up at the middle of the night and look at my thermometer outside, and, you know, it's 25 degrees in the middle of the night, like, you know, at 3 in the morning or something like that. That's really unusual. Is this something we should expect more often? I'm afraid so. In in the long run, the summers across the prairies and across Canada, but especially the prairies, are going to get a lot warmer. And all the models tell us, unfortunately, that this is the kind of weather that we should expect much more often in the future. Well, a lot of people might say, well, I don't know if that's unfortunate, but what what is causing this? Well, the humidity uh, in the event we just had right now, it's air from the south. You know, we were getting essentially Gulf of Mexico air blow in from uh, from the south of us, and it just hung over us, and then it rained like hell, and we had all that moisture on the surface. But what's ha- what's what's causing the, the trend towards hotter and uh, weather and more heat waves? Uh, climate change, I'm afraid. Um, you know, it, we, our summer temperatures uh, haven't really changed very much over the last few decades, 
but they're just like unlike the winters, which have really changed. But in the long run, in the decades ahead, uh, you know, maybe a decade or so, we're going to really notice the change in summer temperatures. And with that comes more of that uh, brutal kind of weather. What are we talking about with these prolonged heat waves in terms of what kind of temperatures we might see as we get through the next few years? You know, how many more days above 30, for example, uh, Mm -hmm. might we see? Like, what's typical and and what's the change coming? Yeah, so typically in Winnipeg and southern Manitoba, we get uh, 14 days or so, 13, 14 days of plus 30. We've had 10 in Winnipeg already by my count, I think 11 at the Forks. So 10 of the 14 already, and we still haven't entered the warmest time of the year. A couple of years ago, we had 25, and we forget our weather, but 25, or two years ago, we had 25 of those plus 30 days. That will become the normal in the future, I'm afraid. You know, in, in over the next 20, 30 years, we should see a doubling of the number of hot days in, an average, in a summer, in an average summer. And if we look further, which I as a climatologist do, of course, um, we're talking about three to four times as many uh, plus 30 days in southern Manitoba in an average summer. And that is a very different kind of summer. That's the kind of summer that they currently get down in Kansas and Nebraska and Oklahoma and even northern Texas. And that, that's, that's a really remarkable change to our climate in the long run. Let's hope we don't get that, 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 uh, that far. Let's hope we uh, curtail climate change a little bit. And is part of the concern with this heat, that with this heat and this humidity, is that it creates the possibility of more storms? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, uh, heat is one of the ingredients of of thunderstorms. There are a lot of things that have to happen, like the upper atmosphere has to be in a particular configuration. But certainly that's what I would expect, that as as the summers get uh, warmer, and especially if they get uh, more moist, if we pull in even more moisture from the south, that spells uh, the possibility, an increased possibility of those really intense thunderstorms that unfortunately places like Brandon and, and Minnedosa and other places have seen this summer. You know, Brett had said earlier just in this conversation, Danny, that there might be people who say, okay, well, it's warming up, but I like that. It's, it's, I, I enjoy hearing that we'll have warmer summers or even warmer winters. What's your response to that? Because you know there are so many people out there that say uh, they may not be climate change deniers, but they're not mm-hmm. overly concerned with the idea that the planet might be warming. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. You know, um, you know, I like hot weather, but I don't want dangerous weather. I don't want weather that... Uh, is clearly there's so much evidence that this kind of hot weather and especially the prolonged hot weather and the really warm nights, it affects people's health. The the Prairie Climate Centre that I work with, uh, um, we work with Health Canada and the uh, Public Health Agency of Canada, and all of the people that we work with are really concerned about the increase in in heat coming to Canada and, and the prairies here because there's clear evidence that People who have respiratory problems, people who have, uh, you know, chronic illnesses, uh, elderly people um, are at risk. Um, more people die when the weather is hot, and especially if it's prolonged, and especially if the, if it it, uh, it gets really long, it, it's dangerous to people. And and there's lots of other exacerbating problems. But health is should be a, a, a big priority. And not everybody has air conditioning, and not everybody has a, a refuge away from that heat the homeless, for example, and uh, it kills them. Danny Blair is a climatologist with the University of Winnipeg's Prairie Climate Centre, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Danny, we'll leave it there. Thank you for the time. Have a wonderful day.
McGarry and McNabb, Mackling back next week. We only got two minutes, so let's just focus on text messages on stuff that we've lost and the weird places where you find them. We, this started last half hour uh, because I found something on Twitter last week. One of our listeners, Spencer, helping his seven-year-old daughter find her phone, couldn't find the phone. He found it in the fridge on the door. That's hilarious. And uh, Loren... <laughs> You texted me just before 7 o'clock to say you just spent looking for something and it was right in front of you. Yeah, my phone. While we were having that conversation of losing things, I put my phone on the shelf below me and then it sort of camouflaged on this black, uh, I don't even know what this thing is. And I went to the washroom. I went to the place where I make the coffee in the other room. I looked into the storage room because I had wandered in there. And then I came back and it was right in front of me. Yeah, that's the best when that happens. I love that too. I don't even know what this thing was. Was it an ottoman or something perhaps? That what where I lost it? Yeah. This, no, it's this. I don't even know what this is. It's a. It's something for like exercise. It's one of these plates you use. I don't know. I don't know what it is, Brett. I bought it. I don't use it. It's for exercise. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> but listen to this great story. This we had that one story about a, a lost necklace that had been gone for ten years and it was wrapped around uh, the spindle of the washing machine tumbler. Well, this, here's another gold necklace story. Had a gold necklace that fell off during a drunken water fight at a party. Ten years later, our friends were redoing their deck and they found it under the deck after ten years. That must be just mind-blowing when that kind of stuff happens. And uh, Noreen says, I looked everywhere on Saturday for a spool of thread I bought to finish the picnic quilt I was sewing. Finished the quilt with a different color because I just couldn't find it. I just found it now while cleaning the kitchen window. While listening to CJOB, of course, just sitting there playing his day out in the open. After three days of searching the banks of the Red River, the family of a young boy who had been missing since Friday learned yesterday that his body had been found. Yeah, Winnipeg police said yesterday it was a fisher who found the boy about four kilometers north of the perimeter highway along the Red. And while we're still learning more about what happened here, we do know that Darius Berzecki was biking with his siblings and a friend around 4.30 Friday when they made their way towards the water. And that's when he went in, and as we now know, three days later, he has since uh, died in that water. Chris Love is the Water Smart Coordinator for the Life Saving Society and joins us now. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. I know every summer, sadly, we hear of a story like this. And so when you heard about the boy going in the water Friday, I'm curious what went through your head because we know the water levels are rising. We know it can be a dangerous place, but we also know it's really hot out and water is a draw to many of us. Uh, Certainly. I mean, I'll begin by saying our our condolences and our thoughts go to the family in this case. Uh, This certainly is a a tragic circumstance. Um, There's still a lot that we're learning about this specific case, but uh, as you say, every summer we do have incidents, uh, and as a safety-based organization, uh, we don't want any of them to occur. And especially this year, with the heat combined with COVID and the fact that many locations that people would normally go to cool down, swimming pools, wading pools, etc., have been closed uh, or or open in reduced fashion due uh, due to the circumstances Um, We are concerned that people are going to be looking for less safe locations to go swimming uh, and really want to emphasize that uh, you should try to find the safest location, a supervised location, if at all possible, to go swimming. Uh, And if you are an adult or caregiver of young children, uh, if they are in, on or near the water, uh, you need to be within arm's reach and providing active supervision at all times. 
When it comes to swimming in uh, in a body of water like a river, for those who maybe have never done it or never been in it, can you maybe describe just like what the difference is between like say swimming in a pool or swimming in a lake at the beach versus uh, hopping into something like the Red River? Yeah, well, uh, we would generally advise you know not going into uh, any river like the Red River, the Assiniboine, the Seine. Uh, as you mentioned in the intro, all of them are at higher water levels than normal this year. The Red has basically been high since uh, spring melt. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is, although it may look calm from the surface, all of these uh, you know, rivers, streams, they do have a current. That current uh, may not show up directly on the surface, but it is there. It can easily pull you along. It can easily pull you under. Uh, but the fact that those water levels are high also means there's going to be a lot of debris in the water. Uh, and uh, our offices are in Winnipeg. We have the Seine River right behind our offices. And the uh, the number of tree branches, et cetera, we've seen floating down it in the last week uh, is enormous. Uh, and so all of those can present dangers that may or may not be immediately visible to anyone who goes in. Uh, besides all of that, you do just have the fact that uh, Uh, Many, if not all, of our rivers that we're familiar with in the south of the province tend to be very, very cloudy water. And so if anything happens, uh, it's going to be really hard to see you uh, and very hard to assist someone who's in distress once they go below the surface. The water is moving really fast, but the banks are also difficult to navigate in some cases, Chris. And so it might be that you just went for a walk and find yourself in a precarious situation or a hike down by a body of water because uh, because of the mud, the thickness of it, how it can really be almost suck you in in some ways. And so it's not just the water to, to be managing sometimes. Oh, no, I- indeed. Uh, depending on exactly where you are, all of those circumstances that you've mentioned and more can certainly come in and be part of the problem. Uh, with the high water levels too, even being at the top of a river bank where none of that mud comes into play, as you've just mentioned, could be dangerous because those high water levels we have may have undercut river banks in certain parts of the city and the added weight of adding a person on top of what appears to be a very solid uh, you know, piece of land could cause it to slide into the river. Uh, and so that is something else to be concerned about. And, and we're using the red here, uh, but we can use many, many rivers and streams around the province, uh, even out in the western part of the province, as we've just seen with the extremely high rainfalls that have occurred out there in the Brandon, Minnedosa, Nipua area. I mean, we, we've had you know, talk about uh, dams bursting and everything like that. The same thing can happen with the riverbanks and streams out there and become dangerous to people who are out, as you say, just walking and may not even be thinking about going into the water. What about um, deep water, like if you're swimming on a lake? Like For example, I remember going out to, I think it was Lac du Bonny, I don't know, 15, maybe even 20 years ago. And I like to think I'm a fairly competent swimmer. I'm not a master or anything, but I can swim. Uh, but So we swam out from, not far from shore, but I could tell immediately that this water was deep. And it just felt... it just felt like it was suddenly more difficult. Uh, is there any, any truth to that? Uh, not exactly. Uh, I mean, that may be the perception that people have. Uh, if if you can swim, then you should be able to swim if you're just swimming at the surface, uh, any depth of water. But there certainly can be a psychological thing to seeing that you're in deeper water. Uh, the thing about deeper water is, of course, if you get tired, 
there's nothing that you can touch down on as opposed to shallow water where you can put your feet down and walk and, and rest if necessary. So certainly there is that part to it that could be more dangerous, but inherently just because it's deep water doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be uh, more dangerous to a swimmer automatically. It's why the life jacket becomes a, an important part of the equation if you're boating in that deep water, Chris. And I was saying to Brett about an hour ago, I had been up at the lake this weekend and I couldn't get over the number of people coming off the water on their canoe or kayak that not only did they not have a life jacket on them, they didn't have one in the boat that they were in, their canoe or kayak. And I think that there's this perception if you're an adult and you're a good swimmer, you don't need it, which is so incredibly wrong given all the different scenarios you can go through from falling into water that's cold and you panic or having a heart attack and falling in the water? Yeah, no, certainly. Uh, That is one of the key things we see in our drowning statistics year after year is when it comes to uh, boating fatalities uh, that have occurred in the province. Uh, Nationally, about 80% of all boating fatalities uh, were not wearing a life jacket when they occurred. Uh, Manitoba, we actually go above that because our last set of statistics for the last five years is 86% of people were not wearing a life jacket uh, when it came to boating fatalities. And, And as you said, I mean, it is the law that you must have a life jacket of appropriate size for every person who is in your boat. Uh, and the law doesn't say that you have to wear it, but we, we would recommend you take it a step beyond and put it on, because as you say, you have the heart attack and you fall out of the boat. Uh, you get hit by a wave, you're thrown out of the boat, and you hit your head on the way out, so you're knocked unconscious. Those are things that we have seen occur in this province in the past. They are totally foreseeable types of incidents, uh, and therefore they are 100% preventable. And the easy way to do that is you put the life jacket on before you board the boat at the dock, and it stays on until you get back to the dock and step out of the boat at the end of the day. Uh, and that would reduce the number of drowning deaths we see here in Manitoba and across, the Canada, across Canada immensely if everyone took that one simple step. Well, and another thing, too, maybe to keep in mind is to just pay attention to the conditions. Like, I remember I was at a place uh, called Barrier Bay Resort in the Seven Sisters area. I believe the lake it's on is uh, in that spot is Dorothy Lake. And uh, it was a particularly windy day. The water was really choppy. Uh, but uh, my then-girlfriend and I at the time decided to, uh, let's take out this paddle boat. And we went out on the lake and immediately, immediately regretted it because we knew we're not going to be able to turn this thing around and get back because the waves are at our back. And we had to, and we ended up taking on water. We had to jump ship and drag this thing in and, it, and she couldn't swim. Her life jacket was coming off. It, it ended up being like, you know, in hindsight, it's kind of funny, but at the time it was terrifying. Well, thank you for sharing that. I am glad to hear that, you know, everything worked out. Uh, what you've described is, is a case that I've heard many variations on that type of story uh, in my job. And you're, you're exactly right. Uh, when you're preparing for a boating trip or going out to the lake, whether it's just for swimming, wading, whatever, that is one of those concerns is, yeah, what is the weather going to be like? Is it going to be stormy? What's, you know, what's the wind going to be like? Uh, you mentioned a paddle boat, but we've had the story so far in the media this year about inflatables on lakes. Uh, and... Uh, you know, basically, again, our recommendation as an organization is either don't take them out on the lake because there is such a huge chance of being blown who knows where and into danger. Uh, or if you're not going to follow that advice, then you need to make sure you're going to have something that's going to be able to anchor that flotation uh, item down, that inflatable swan or rowboat or whatever you have. 
uh, because, as you say, yeah, the change of the weather can make what appears to be a very nice, fun day turn very, very bad very, very quickly if you've not planned ahead and you haven't looked at what might I actually encounter during my day out. Chris Love is the Water Smart Coordinator for the Life Saving Society, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Chris, thank you so much for the time, as always. Very much appreciated. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling, back next week. Question of the day at cjob.com from Friday afternoon. Brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. The question was, what have you noticed on your drive of late? 46% said more distracted drivers, 41% more speeders, and the remaining 12% people paying strict attention to the rules of the road. And we're talking about that because several times over the past few months, Winnipeg Police or RCMP have shared images and stories on their various social media pages of cars that were simply going way too fast. Like the driver who was stopped in June for traveling 162 kilometers per hour in an 80 zone on Chief Peguis. By the way, that driver still on his learner's permit. Yeah, and then we also had the motorcyclist who was given a dangerous driving ticket for going 178 kilometers per hour in an 80 zone in St. Andrews. That also happened during the peak of the pandemic. And that had us wondering just how many Manitobans have been hit with charges like this in recent months and years. So the RCMP got back to us with some numbers. And here's what we learned, Brett. In the first six months of last year, 100 people were charged for careless driving under the Highways Act. This year, with far fewer cars on the road, That number just dropped to 91 charges over the past few months, so it's only down slightly from 100 to 91. And charges for dangerous operation of a motor vehicle, well, last year, 30 charges were laid over the first six months of 2019. This year, 41 charges, so they're actually up. Sergeant Paul Monegre is with the RCMP and joins us now to discuss this further. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Well, thanks for taking the time. We were saying, you know, technically fewer people on the road or in commuting during the peak of this pandemic, but the number of tickets handed out for these kinds of offenses hasn't really changed much, especially with the dangerous operation of a motor vehicle, as we just mentioned, actually up. So what's going on here, do we think? Uh, just As you mentioned, you know, the peak of the pandemic, people, there's a lot less traffic on the road. So people, I guess, took advantage of it and quite clearly... Uh, made themselves noticeable to the police. I should also add, like you mentioned those numbers, uh, for example, 30, uh, we're up 41. That's 30 for the whole year. We're at 41. We're only halfway through the year. So some of these numbers are way higher uh, due to the officers basically seeing these people on the highways. And when it comes to dangerous operation of a motor vehicle, what kinds of things would classify as that? Are we just talking speed or does it pertain to other behaviors as well? Well, there's other behaviors as well. Uh, when you're looking at dangerous operation, you've got to basically be putting uh, yourself or and others at risk uh, of basically injury or and or death. Uh, so there's a lot of factors the officers will have to weigh if it'll merit uh, that charge being escalated. I'm, I'm re- going over these numbers again, Paul, because I had misunderstood that, and so I want to apologize. So the numbers I've read are actually... Comparing to all of last year, so for example, there were 100 people charged for driving carelessly, carelessly in all of 2019, 91 to date? Yes, that's my understanding, and then now we're already 2020, 91 to date. 
so it would seem to me it could be potentially because there was, you know, so-called so more room on the road and people felt like they could get away with this kind of stuff when there's hardly any cars out there. Or it might be indicative of just an overall speeding problem that we might have and not really getting it when it comes to slowing down. Yeah, we've always had that issue. We're trying to get the word out, like, these dangerous driving behaviors have to stop. And like I say, come March when the uh, perimeter highway had a lot less traffic, these arteries in the province where there was less traffic, which allowed people to kind of increase those speeds. And that's what you say, those numbers, I don't foresee them to be double of what they last year. Like say, we're just obviously at, you know, through halfway through 2020, uh, we're seeing a much higher number, but I'm hoping it'll average out over the year, but um, it, it's going to be high. It's, it's too high for us. What happens if I'm charged with dangerous operation of a motor vehicle? Do I lose my license? Uh, depending on some factors, uh, you may, but you, the important thing, the message there is you'll be appearing in court for a criminal offense, which is a lot more serious if you compare it to a ticket. A lot of people texting in now, or a few at least, Paul, to say that, you know, they don't really get why you don't lose your license with these types of charges. Does that eventually happen if there's more than one offense or more than, say, one charge that's similar to this, like a careless and a dangerous driving? Or does it still take some time and, and multiple offenses before a person could lose their license? Well, usually there's several factors. Uh, the province is best to speak on that, but they'll look at issues of what's taking place. Uh, and you'll notice a lot of times in our social media releases, we'll have, we'll announce a serious offense notice has been issued to the person. If you've been caught driving 50 kilometers or more over the speed limit, you are issued this document, which now compels you to appear before MPI to explain your behavior. Uh, they're going to have the information in front of you, then they're going to make that decision whether or not you get to keep your license. We've heard from listeners, and we, we've all just discussed it anecdotally on the show. We've seen, uh, you know, driving behaviors change. So a lot of times it, it feels like people maybe have just almost forgotten how to drive, you know, because they're rusty, because they haven't really been out and about in the world. Does that maybe contributing to some of this, that people's driving skills are just kind of rusty? Well, I hope not. This is something we have basically have to do on a daily basis for most people, and Considering what you are driving and the risk you could be putting yourself and others in, these are habits that you need to keep up to date all the time. There's no room for error when it comes, like I say, the number of fatalities this year already. We're approaching 40, which is above last year's number, which is about above our five-year average. Uh, those are skills people need because that number needs to come down. Well, all these numbers need to come down, Paul. In terms of the road fatalities we've seen so far this year, uh, uh, Sergeant Menegar, is there is there a contributing factor? Is speed often part of the equation, or are we seeing anything that's changing in terms of trends when it might be maybe impaired driving, speeding, or no seatbelt, or is it still a combination of all of those things? It's a combination. Usually with most fatalities in the province, you'll see almost like one-third alcohol-related, one-third speed-related. It's just... One of the, the three, usually no seatbelt, speed, and alcohol, has a factor in at least every uh, collision uh, death. So that's when you see our Twitter feed, our social media feed, pushing out these high speeds, that's us trying to get the awareness out that people are like, come on, it's, we're tired of writing on a weekly basis on fatalities. Uh, we've had a few again this past weekend. 
our numbers are going up. It's something that has to come down. Sergeant Paul Maneg is with the RCMP, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Sergeant, thank you very much for the time. Much appreciated, sir. You're welcome. Thank you. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back on next week, in fact, as we listen to some machine headland lines are open at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win a large two-topping pizza courtesy of Santa Lucia Pizza. Call us now for a chance to win some pizza. Loren McNabb, before we do that, what are we doing in our next segment? Well, imagine you were one of those many Manitobans who were hit with all that rain and flash flooding last week, and you've since gone through the process of maybe ripping out your carpet or floorboards or seeing mold slowly creep up the walls. And now your insurance adjuster has come in and informed you that you're not covered. It's not part of the coverage that you might have for your house. So what is or isn't covered in this kind of event, Brett? And, and what assistance, if any, Will the province potentially be providing to those affected in flood areas? We'll check in with the Insurance Bureau of Canada just after 8.45. And the question of the day at cjob.com. Brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And the question has to do with something we've been asking you about this morning. If you work outside or had to work outside, which would you prefer? What's your preference? Working in extreme heat or extreme cold? Let us know at cjob.com. We've also thrown that poll up on Twitter, at 680CJOB. All right, the lines are jammed. Here we go. Chance to win some pizza. Here's the question at 204-780-6868. A new survey says that 47% of people who do this at work keep it a secret from their significant other. What is it? New survey says 47% of people who do this at work keep it a secret from their significant other. What is it, James do you have a guess? Well, go go out for you know lunch with a, a opposite sex coworker. Oh my! Well, you're kind of on the right track. Uh, has nothing to do with the opposite sex, so that's about as far as I'll go with that clue. But great guess, great guess, Lorraine. Do you know the answer? Would it would it be eating snacks that they're not supposed to? Say that again. Eating snacks. That they're not supposed to cheat on their diets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How much junk food they eat at work. That's correct. Oh. You, you win. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> you, Lorraine, have you ever done that? Or your significant other? Uh, not for a lot. Well, I do by myself, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, Lorraine, congratulations. I'm going to put you on hold, okay? Thank you. All right. Yeah, I guess... Is that something like? Is that a source of guilt for many in relationships? I never would have thought about that. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, I, and it, I don't know why. It's not because I think I'm being judged. It's not because I am being judged. I just think I'm being judged. Like I've hid chip bags of chips beside the bed, and then like we'll slowly open them, crinkle, 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 and it's like my kids have a sixth sense. Like, mom, are you eating chips in there? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'd lie about it. Most partly, I want them to myself, and then another part of me is like, I really shouldn't be having this right now. Okay, yeah, and I wonder maybe maybe if it has to do with if you're. I mean, Lorraine mentioned cheating on the diet. Like, let's say at home, you're trying to collectively eat healthier, and then you go to work and you start chowing down on potato chips or whatever. Uh, so maybe is it is it that you feel like you are in fact cheating in a way that you're it's a betrayal of the 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 effort to be healthier together. 
Especially if there, it could, because there's always one person in every relationship that can just lose weight more easily. So if you're the person who's A, cheating on your diet while you say your spouse is just struggling to get through, but you're still losing weight, that's also annoying. Like it happens all the time where, you know, you hear a couple say, oh, I just stopped drinking Coke and I've dropped 10 pounds. And then the wife, for example, is running six miles a day and only eating kale and hasn't lost anything. So if that guy's also going to have his cookies at work, you're additionally annoyed. Yeah, that and I I can relate to that. Uh, about ten years ago, I remember after my shift every day, I would go to Shoppers Drug Mart and I'd buy a bag of Cheetos Puffs. I love Cheetos Puffs, and it was it was so it wasn't like the big bag, but it wasn't the for whatever reason the bag wasn't like your typical snack size. It was almost like a half halfway bag, so it was like. Not not the full full thing. It was, but it was bigger than a regular snack size. And I did that for I don't know how many months. And then when I stopped doing that, that was the only change I made. And I dropped, I bet you, I hate you. ten pounds in a month yes. just from doing that. That's so annoying. You're so annoying right now. I, well, I, well, but, <laughs> it's not your fault, but this is exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, all I did was put on a different shirt, and the orange shirt seemed to help me lose weight. And look at me, I've dropped 10 pounds. Get lost. <laughs> McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. And just uh, want to quickly read this to, to follow the conversation we just had. Somebody says that I uh, just got passed by somebody on Highway 1 traveling west by someone doing at least 180. So, okay, just watch out for, for unsafe drivers out there. But we do want to switch to another conversation we were having this morning. And that had to do with the weird, the goofy places we lose things because it was started by something I saw on Twitter last week from listener Spencer who said he found his seven-year-old daughter's phone in the fridge and one of my buddies lost his wallet in his freezer in the garage and I lost my golf GPS watch at the bottom of my golf bag. I finally just I figured, well, I'll just check the golf bag. Maybe it fell back into there. Lots of great texts at 204-780-6868. You found a good one here, Loren. Well, while we were first having this conversation at around 645, we had a listener text in to say that she couldn't find that spool of thread, right, to finish her picnic blanket. And while we were talking about missing things, she discovered this thread. We got a great text from Louisa, who, when we revisited this chat within this last hour, she said, I'm listening to your topic this morning. Couldn't really think of a time when I'd lost something until our cottage guest couldn't find his glasses. We all tore the bedroom apart and I finally found them hanging on the side of a vase. Laugh out loud. Have a great day. And so she sent a picture of this glass vase with, with these glasses hanging over the edge of it. And I just think it's so funny because she couldn't think of a story where this has happened to her until we started talking about it. And I said, did this just happen? She's like, yes, he lost his glasses while you guys were talking about losing things. And so I thought that was, I feel like we're helping people this morning, Brett. It's helping them find things. Well, and uh, Pat talks about, she's, Pat is even, or sorry, it's Patrick. So Pat has, I had an anti-Pat. Um, Pat has named this story The Missing Loaf. We adopted a boxer dog six years ago from the city pound. She was very malnourished. We brought her home and left a loaf of bread on the counter. The bread disappeared and was found 
in the kennel with her. She is now a healthy boxer and no more <laughs> counter surfing. Uh, that's the uh, dogs are such sneaky animals. If you leave food on the counter, you got to be careful. Cats, too. Uh, they'll just jump up on the counter and start chowing down. So keep those stories coming at 204 780 6868. Like this one, lost a gold ring during the winter, found it this spring while cutting the grass for about the fifth time, must have lost it while shoveling snow off the deck. If not for the shine, wouldn't have seen it. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is back on Monday, and I see he's sending out pictures. He put a post on, well, on Twitter and on Instagram, but on on Instagram he described it as three shots of whiskey to start his Monday morning, Uh, whiskey being his dog. Put three pictures of his dog up on Instagram, and he put that on Twitter as well if you want to see, at GMACWPG. And we say hello for the first time in a couple of weeks to one do we have Jeff Courier, Jeff no. Fortier? No, we don't. We don't. We don't have Jeff Courier. What the heck? How's everybody it's, doing? It's a, <laughs> it's a Monday. N- nice day out there. The weather, it's uh, sunny. <laughs> Let me tell you about a blues guitarist from New Orleans called Bubsy Jacksy. In 1967, <laughs> he started off as a flautist, and then he said to himself, I bet you I could play the strings. I love you, Jeff. Wherever yeah, you are, yeah, we love. I love Jeff too, and uh, he's a, he's a, made of sterner stuff than I am because I refuse to walk the golf course when I go play at Kingswood. But whenever I see Jeff there, he's walking it, and he's got twenty years on me, so he he has no problem pointing out that uh, he's like a younger younger pup like you <laughs> compared to Jeff. I guess I'm a younger pup. Younger pup like you should be able to walk this course, and I say, you know what? No thanks. You uh, you go ahead and you tough it out, but. Uh, uh, Jeff's been on vacation for a couple of weeks. Maybe he has, I don't know why he's having a, an issue connected, but maybe he's just forgot how to do it. Like that happens, Loren. You take a week, off, even a week off, you come back and you're like, what, how do I get into this computer again? Well, no joke this, you know, because so many of us are working at home with course, they set, set us up with different multi is it multi-factor identifications or oh, ways yeah. of, you know, make sure that nobody's logging in onto your computer when you shouldn't be and that you're doing things properly from home. So I just had Saturday, Sunday off, just a normal weekend. And I came in last night to do some work and I sat at my computer, try the password. No, tried another password. No. Then it asked me for my username again. And I was like, username. So I had to call this guy up in Toronto and he's like, um, yeah, it's just, and he reads it out to me. And I was like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> and then I just hung up the phone full of shame that in 48 hours, I like just couldn't remember it. Just could not remember it. Well, a lot of that is muscle memory. And that actually ties into, sort of, into, we had that chat earlier about when you drive somewhere and you realize you, you have no idea how you got there. And we, Greg and I, once upon a time, spoke to uh, a brain specialist from St. Boniface Hospital. And he says, if that ever happens, it, it's not something to be concerned with because it just means that there's a part of your brain that knows exactly what it needs to do to accomplish this task. And you don't necessarily have to remember it. It's just, you know, you're, you're not on, not, you're on autopilot but not in a bad way uh, but when it comes to remembering usernames and passwords and all this stuff a lot of that we just do it automatically and then occasionally we stop and think about it and we go I I, I don't know what this is actually <laughs> it's almost like you have to take a step back and then just let your hands figure it out on their own so let us usually, know usually usually your fingers can do the thinking for you when it comes to passwords but I also think part of the problem is 
Like I, this happens all the time between a Netflix password, your Apple ID, your App Store, your iTunes password, your your phone, your your cell phone. Then you've got your bank card. Then you've got your laptop password, which might be different than your work password. It's and then, too many. Yeah. I have yeah, to reset I- my Shaw Cable password every month to pay my bill. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. My my bank account, is, I bet you if they went looking, it's been reset like 742 times. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.